0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and of course, John, the co-host of co-hosts, is here with me. We've got something a little special for you this week. We've gone back and picked a few of our least favorite RPGs and scoured the ends of the internet to determine whether they had any more content to uncover and discuss. And lo and behold, indeed they did. We're thrilled to present you with not one, but two supplements this week as we dive with you into Prime Directive, Federation, and... and... Haven. City of Violence path of rage all right welcome back hi john how you doing today so hungover oh i'm so sorry we had a bachelor party last night Woo! right here at the jeff house and uh it was was a rough time on john i guess i uh, i didn't see you acting drunk at any point i was not drunk at any point and yet Man, that's terrible. It is the worst. It's the worst possible thing that could happen to you: is to drink, not get drunk, but still get hungover. I feel like you should be allowed to report that to someone. Like you should be able to go to the police now. Why isn't there an agency for that? Yeah, call the Better Business Bureau and tell them about SoCo and whatever cheap shit vodka it is I have around. It. I think it was called Romanoff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's got an actual Black Widow in every bottle. <laughs> that's good. That's more Black Widow merchandise than Marvel has put out. Hey. Oh! That's one of my favorite things to see people fighting about on the internet. <laughs> what did we do this week, John? We read a couple things. Both of them were kind of terrible, but one was way better than the other one, and we're not going to read that one first. All right, got to earn your fun here on System Mastery. Yeah, you got to work for it. Roll 3D6 down the middle. <laughs> or down the line, that's what it is. Down the middle would make yeah, any right sense. right down the middle. Right down the middle. Split the difference on 3D6. <laughs> Oh, we're tired and hungover. Okay, moving along. The first thing we read is UFP, the Federation sourcebook. And that is a Prime Directive sourcebook. And not GURPS Prime Directive or D20 Prime Directive. And I believe they are currently working on a Savage Worlds version of this as well. Oh, good. Yeah, because if there's more, if there's something that the world needs more of. It's more of this Prime Directive nonsense. Oh, my God. See, I, so we did this as, like, Episode 4 was Prime Directive. And, man, I still think all of these other ones would be fine, but anytime I see a Prime Directive game getting made, it just makes me sad. Cause Star Trek, as a game for an RPG, is great. You can do a lot of interesting things with it. And then there's the, the Starfleet system for Prime Directive, which is the worst. Well, it's like a license was created and now exists, and everyone's afraid to get rid of it. Well, I think whoever has it is just like, nah, fuck you. You managed to sign this away when fucking Star Trek was not known by anyone, so by God, I will cling tenaciously to it and never let it go. It's kinda like how the, technically the rights to Namor the Submariner are held by Universal. <laughs> like, you know, if you think about it, if you're at all familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe nonsense and how they can't have the X-Men cause Fox has the X-Men and they can't have Fantastic Four cause Fox has the Fantastic Four, blah, blah, blah. Universal owns the rights to Namor. They purchased them years before any of this shit happened in a weird contract deal that's not especially well understood. And so no one can touch Namor. But by God, they're sitting on those rights because they don't want Marvel to make more money. Oh, yeah. But they also don't want to make a Namor movie because what the fuck would that be? Oh, yeah. Well, the problem is the only way a Namor movie works is if it's within a Marvel universe. Right. You can't just be like, I don't know, here's this guy who's the lower rent version of aquaman that's really saying something oh yeah who's this well he's an angry kind of severe looking white guy with wings on his feet and he lives underwater basically it's a flying spock and he's in his underoos there you go (laughs) go he literally looks like he's wearing aquaman underoos yeah like he's got green scaled underpants on it's he is one of the weirdest characters and i absolutely love it I know. Anyway, moving along to the actual point. You can tell that we are kind of dodging around talking about Starfleet. Okay, so, uh, as a quick primer, Starfleet is the Star Trek universe as it existed around 1970 or so, when there wasn't really anything that was famous anymore. The original show was off the air, the first movie had come and gone and was widely regarded as pretty boring, and uh, no one was doing anything with Star Trek. So we're years before TNG, we're years before the announcement of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, and the only other thing that's even on the air is that terrible animated series. Yeah, so this uh, entire thing basically does an alternate reality version of Star Trek, because when they got a hold of it, I guess the license just let them do whatever they wanted to. So they just decided to make up an entire new history for what happened. Yeah, and then they... It's interesting because they own the rights to the term Federation, Prime Directive, Starfleet... Uh, some of the races and some of the shapes of the ships, and that's it. So they can't, for example, mention Kirk or Spock. Yeah, and uh, they, they never say Star Trek. Or Enterprise. Yeah. So it's, it's just some Star Trek stuff without saying Star Trek. And some races that you've heard of, plus a bunch you haven't. And what do you know? The ones you haven't heard of are way more fancy looking. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's that whole thing where as soon as you go from oh, we had a live-action sci-fi thing and we weren't allowed to do whatever, and then we moved to either a book or an animated show, and hey, wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden now there's all these tentacle monsters and weird furry aliens with 27 limbs, and you're like, okay, great. Yeah. So, neither of us particularly cared for the original Star Trek or Starfleet uh Prime Directive RPG, if I remember correctly. I think we, re- we recorded that one a long time ago. we're going all the way back to episode four no in in particular, I hated it because of the system behind it, which was the tricode system yeah, which was terrible. You rolled a number of d sixes equivalent to like your stat plus the skill that you had in a specific area and then you only counted the number of sixes you got is that right? I want to say it was specifically you added up all the sixes you got and something about how they exploded Well, if you're you're looking for the highest that you rolled among your dice, and then if you got a certain amount, it would explode. Yeah. Uh, but the, the problem was it also had this granular success, and unless you got the highest level of success, if you got a complete success... Then you got to do whatever it was you set out to do. The other ones were just you don't in varying degrees. Yeah, it was like, oh, I got a moderate success. Well, you kind of almost did that thing. I try to repair this turbo lift. What happens? On a failure, the turbo lift is even more broken. On a minor success, it's even more broken, but only a little. On a moderate success, it didn't fix it. And on a total success, you did fix it. And that's how it was with all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was all, there were botches, which would fuck everything up. Yeah. Failures, which would mostly fuck things up. And then if you got a minor success, it was, you managed to not fuck things up. You just didn't do anything. Right. So that was, that was a big problem, and it was really hard to actually succeed at anything in a game that's supposed to be about highly technical professionals. Yeah. Every time you'd look at something and it was like, I'm the chief engineer, and I need to go do a thing. And you'd go, okay, but if I roll for this and just fuck up the role then I don't do anything, or even if I roll for this and do decently, I still don't do anything. No, I'm still working on it. And meanwhile, the captain's trying to cut the number of hours it takes because this is a Star Trek game. So every couple minutes he calls and says, how many hours will it take to fix that stupid elevator? And you're like, eight. And he goes, you've got six. The only, the only problem is that would be great, but it's not. That's not what the game is because it's not a Star Trek game. It's fucking Starfleet. It's Starfleet, which means that you're actually just... Super badass space spies. Every one of us is wearing a cool unzipped jacket. Yeah, I've got my leather jacket that says I'm part of the evil raven squad of the prime team. We're the fighting mongooses. (laughs) We're the blue barracudas. Oh, wait, hold on. (laughs) Okay, so I did Futurama and you did Legend of the Hidden Temple? (laughs) Is that that, accurate? That's what happened then. Okay, so let's just make up our own. The green tapirs. (laughs) Yeah, I'm part of the Scarlet Speedsters. Damn it. <laughs> You're just having trouble with this. <laughs> I'm part of the extended bat family of... Su- Dan- Wait. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, uh. so um, let's actually talk about what we read to th- this week. Uh, so Federation has almost nothing to do with the Federation of Planets. Yeah, we... It's really weird because the first thing it opens up on is just psychic powers. Yeah, it's got a little story at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Well, the the stories for this, again, why it's not Star Trek at all and is actually the Prime Directive game is because all of your characters are not quite... They act like they were mercenaries, essentially. But they're like SEAL Team 6 of Starfleet. And you get sent into places that normal people couldn't handle. Yeah. And so all of the fiction is like, yeah, and then, you know, I went up to him and I told him what, what, and then we got into a shootout and then I had to get away on my hover bike. And I'm like, none of this exists. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's all very punchy punch, kind of weird black ops mercenaries, but we live on Star Trek ships and every once in a while we get sent down to a planet to rough shit up old school style. Oh yeah. And there's like... One of the fictions where they're going through, like, alright, so we've got this and that, and I've got our tricorders, and I've got our backpacks, and... Hey, where's all the guns? Then they have to contact their got the guy in charge. Their like, briefing you, officer. You can't have those guns. This is a peaceful operation. You blew up four city blocks, and I'm like, oh my. Well, god. But I get results, Chief. Uh, chief, briefing officer. Yeah, the whole thing just reads like the worst '80s action film. It's really weird. It's it's a weird concept to to expand uh our Star Trek into. And I understand they were trying to come up with a way for Star Trek to work as an RPG, which means you have to have people who can leave the ship in a group every time. Yeah, but... And and, and they also, the problem is that they had this kind of naked devotion to how stupid Star Trek was, because that's the weirdest thing to me about these books. They seem to hate Star Trek. They're like, well, Star Trek's always, okay, Kirk goes down to the planet, and he always brings Spock and Bones and... And then, then some red shirt Yeah, some red dying. shirt and maybe Chekhov if he's into it. And every time they do that. And this book's like, no, that's fucking stupid. The captain would never go down. I'm like, yeah, but it's Star Trek, and he always does. Always does. So that's the way this universe works. Every good episode of Star Trek is about one of the captains being stuck on a planet with some alien. So it clearly happens. Get with the program and move along. But no, instead it's all mercenary badassery. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we got into this when we originally reviewed it, but the system itself looks at it and is like, I could do this better. Yeah, we're going to do this right. So here's a whole bunch of ranks and titles and medals you can earn. Okay, all right, that sounds Star oh, Trekky to me. Oh, here's how much I get paid? Great. <laughs> Great. All right, well, anyway, yeah, first thing it opens up on is psychic powers. Yeah, you can, because if you were a Vulcan in the original set, you could have some psychic powers because, you know, Vulcans. And they it, can do it, whatever. It had, like, three that they could have, and they were things like Mind Scan and Mind Read, all the stuff that you've seen Spock do. Now, in this one, they expand on Spock being just a generic Vulcan psychic and that there are actually eight more kinds of Vulcan psychics of which uh, each one of them is specialized in something stupid. So, if you become one of these psychics, you can have three other psychic powers which are all very specific. So, for example, you could be a member of the Path of jain which is thoughts and the mind, and so you get better at mind reading and shit. Yeah, or you can get things like, I'm part of the Path of... Sren and I've got essentially mind control or you could be a surini Maclar and be really good at factual storage and computation, although my favorite I'm gonna say my favorite of these is the Pac talk Calfi who are specialists in pure intellect and all they can do is solve math problems faster. It even tells you right in there, these guys suck on prime teams and no one's, no one takes them because all they do is solve math problems fast. Yeah. That's all it is, is I bend my, my psychic power into becoming oh, a calculator. I'm a big nerd. That's their, that's their power. <laughs> uh, so there are eight of these and every one of them is three more powers and every one of the power sets is just three tri codes. And each power is oddly not super great. Like even no. the one that's like, I've got mind control and you'd go holy shit that's amazing except it's like the third level of power that you can get is one where you actually get to make suggestions to someone. Yeah. And you have to have an amazing success on that to make them want to do anything. Yeah. The only one I thought was any good was the path of Vesser of track. And that's the one that's just body performance. Oh yeah, so, well it's just I make I get tougher. Yeah, and you, stronger. Can, you can increase your stats. And it lets you increase any one of your physical stats by three for like hours and that's pretty great like if you want to play as the combat guy in the game you could be that kind of psychic and build up your your uh your strength or whatever or dexterity or whatever and just go to town on someone with uh whatever crazy vulcan weapon you want that thing that looked like a shovel i want to say yeah so there you go and then outside of that if you didn't want to be a vulcan that was a psychic you could be a non-vulcan psychic and their powers are way better than the vulcan powers because it includes shit like telekinesis. Yeah, and and way better mind reading. It's weird. Human psych or anyone. There's like six races that can be psychic, and all of them do really good in what's called the Shruniki or I think this Shruniki, Shrunikai. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that's that's uh the people who are psychic but aren't Vulcans. Yeah, and the non-Vulcan psychics all get way better powers. They get to do stuff that you'd want to do as a psychic, like all those sort of classic weird things. And, uh, yeah. And then following that, there's about a million more skills. And just for uh, reference, there were like 80, 90-some skills in the original (laughs) Starfleet. This has a whole bunch more. They're mostly pertaining to things that are specific to this book. So there are operations of various types of electronics and so on that are in here. But then there are ones that I am amazed that in 90 skills in the first book they didn't get to. Stealth is one of the skills (laughs) in this book. (laughs) Yeah, they also introduced the idea of a sub-skill, where... Now if you have medical training, you can have medical training in like 15 different versions of stuff. So you can be like, I have medical training in surgery, or in specifically like xenobiology, or whatever it happens to be. Because it wasn't hard enough to accomplish a skill in this game already. Yeah, now it's, oh well, you didn't have the sub ability in whatever, you can't do a thing. And also, uh, surgery is 100% essential, so all they've done is make it more specific for you to get surgery now, because that's the only way to heal wounds in this game. Yeah, the the medicine roll was already what you had to do to get anyone any HP back, and now you just have to put more points into it. Great. great. Okay, great. So this book also introduces a significant number of new races you could play as. Yeah. And uh, we'll zip through those real quick, because I thought they were actually the most interesting part of this book. They're actually kind of fun to read. Because they're just goofy from top to bottom. So there's only a couple of the new races that are actual races from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, the first one is the Tellarites. And Tellerites, you would vaguely remember from Star Trek as basically being angry, bearded dwarfs. Kind of, They're, uh, they're also dumb. I think that was part of their deal. I no, think, I'm thinking of the Pakled. led Yeah, no. You've got kind of bat-nosed, little beardy guys. Yeah, they're, they're not that big. They're, 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 uh, they're significantly shorter than you. They're like Ugnaughts of Star Trek kind of yeah yeah and they're grumpy that's their whole deal they're grumpy and their their whole culture is based on being insulting and brusque to each other no one else likes them that's yeah. the, that's the whole deal with them they're threatening they're arrogant they're just they're just kind of dumpy little bearded assholes kind of yeah. like kind of like John yeah kind of yeah yeah not like me i'm a dumpy little bearded nice guy yeah, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> I don't know why these girls won't get with me. I'm such a nice guy. I know. It's, it's like, it's like being a nice guy is, is, I, I, I know it's a baseline marginal talent that I have, so that should be enough, right? Like, like everyone's a nice guy, but I am too. <laughs> Red pill, whatever. Okay. So tellerites are just annoying, dumpy assholes that no one wants to play as. Great. Which is great because they're like, yeah, sure, you can be in our federation. You're a huge jerk. I love that. Yeah. Following them, you've got uh, the Brecon, and the Brecon are hilarious because they're giant golden gods. They're literally a, like eight foot tall, gold skinned humanoids with four arms. Yeah, this, it is the Rahu Man from Rifts if you've ever seen that. Yeah, or Goro from your Mortal Combat games. Nope, yep, it is one hundred percent that. Yeah. So they're just giant uh, they're they're very friendly. They're basically just human. There's not too much about them that's that's unique. The one big thing with them is that there are always two of them anywhere. If there's one of them, there's two. Because their whole history is that a long time ago their planet split in half uh geo or I'm sorry, politically, and then they just started fighting forever and the peace treaty that they agreed on was okay, all right, we'll stop fighting. But to make sure that we never betray each other again, wherever someone from this one faction goes, someone from this other faction also has to go to keep an eye on each other. So if you have one of these guys on your ship, if you're playing as one, that means there's another one on the ship somewhere, probably doing the same thing as you to keep an eye on you. The weird thing is, that means either, if you play one of these guys, you have to convince someone else you're playing with to also be one, or you gotta go, alright, well, I'm on a prime team, which means, like, what if... The one guy who is following you around, you're like, I'm a super awesome secret agent, and the guy who's following me around is just some bumbling idiot. Like, There's... do I have to take him with me on my missions? Well, you probably just don't get into Starfleet then. That's that's the way it works, because it's a whole cultural thing where they have to they have to prove themselves to get onto prime teams. And I don't, I, I can't imagine that these guys are on prime teams all that often. No, because you'd have to have two of them. They'd have to have made it all the way through all this ridiculous training. Oh, again, it's. Just like the Tellarites, you're like, well, none of these would have made it onto a prime team because they hate working with other people. Well, the the thing with the the weird thing with the Brecon is that other than this one weird restriction about there always being two of them, they're great. They have amazing (laughs) stats. There's this one weird restriction. Starfleet hates them. (laughs) Burn fat fast with four huge arms. (laughs) Invented by an old school teacher. Okay, no, um, the big thing with the Brecon is they have amazing stats, and the game doesn't get how powerful forearms are, so uh. it just gives them whatever it wants for forearms. Oh, they get twice as many actions as long as those actions aren't moves. That's their that's their power. Yeah, which you know, if I'm getting to decide between I could be a human and my power is being a human, or I can be this guy and my power is being better than everyone. Meh. Yeah. So the Brecon are great, provided you can play convince someone else to also play a crazy powerful character. Oh, darn okay uh up after the uh, Brecon are the prelarians and the prelarians are literally space dwarves yeah actually space Dwarves they're they're short they're stocky they're from high gravity planets and they love rocks yeah they like they like uh religiously love rocks so that's their whole deal the picture of them is amazing because they, they are what they' they're basically like Jersey gym rats except dwarves from space yeah I mean you see the picture of it and you can already hear them going no, <laughs> Jim tanning laundry am i right that's that's what you get from looking at these guys literally there's one holding two tomahawks straight up tomahawks from like like an old cowboy western yep uh except that the uh the attachment on them that the tomahawks because of the size they really look like those things that in cartoons that doctors would use to check your knee reflexes yeah like he's just standing there go woo, knee reflexes bro because he's actually got he's He's doing the woo face, isn't yeah. he? No, he. This is 100% arm raised, just going woo. No, this guy is yelling spring break. Ah, <laughs> uh, finally, they're on. What is it? What was it? Riza. Riza. Yeah. are the the, yeah. the 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 pleasure planet where women have big 80s hair <laughs> and soft pastels wander the deserts. <laughs> Riza looked awful. Am I am I wrong? Uh, well, I mean, we barely saw any of it, but it kind of just looked like we get a little bit in TNG and then a lot in, in, uh, DS9 eh. because they have a whole murder mystery set there in DS9 because Worf and Worf can't learn how to have fun. (laughs) <laughs> until he agrees to go skinny dipping, <laughs> you know. As much as that uh. that that sounds terrible, at least it's Worf not just getting his ass kicked in the first five minutes by a bigger monster to prove how big the monster is. Well, that's all TNG did. DS9 at least was like, Worf, you're you're competent. You're you a com- you're comedy relief on this show. Have fun, buddy. You get to date all the hot girls, though. That's for sure. Good job. All right. So uh, anyway, these guys are little dwarf bros. Like yeah, they're straight bros. up bros. They look like they grease their hair. Everything about them screams like I'm on entourage. (laughs) Okay, great. Otherwise, they're normal. They're they're pretty basic class or race. Okay, coming up after that is the Myneni. Okay, this is actually my favorite of the things they put in there. Like I was saying earlier, whenever you go from hey we were doing a live action show to now we're just writing a book or making a cartoon and we can do whatever, the Myneni are just tentacles. Yeah, they're a bunch of hair hair thick tentacles. Radiating outward from a balloon with two huge eyes at the top. Hooray! And everyone kind of is weirded out by them. Like, it says that they just don't usually get along very well with other people because the other people are like, you're weird. Well, their whole deal is that they don't... They they, For decades, they've been in the Federation, but they haven't been actively involved. Like, they've just been members of the Federation, but they refuse to vote on anything. They don't really voice any concerns. They give the, no shits. Their only real interest is to get into Federation ships so that they can set up my, my any colonies on other planets. And so they're really just hitching a ride on, on Federation resources to, uh, to build their, their, uh, planetary establishments. Uh, except, in the past 20 years, they've suddenly gone batshit crazy because they think that something's about to happen. Huh. And so all of a sudden they vote constantly. And what actually, it's a cool story because it's like, Okay, every Miney-Enny that was in Starfleet Command all of a sudden goes home, and the next day is replaced by a completely different uh, flock of Miney-Enny. And these ones are all like, "We are all worried about the same thing, and we will constantly vote to prepare for it." Huh. Huh. And, and it's it's funny because they 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 call it something funny. They they uh they say the burnishers are now known to be returning. We must all be ready to meet them on their terms. Yeah, all right, so that's not creepy at all. Yeah, so they're basically weird little weirdos. That are maybe two or three feet off the ground because they're literally an Im- inverted pair with giant squid eyes and a bunch of hairs coming off them. They look like an, a monster cousin It. Yeah, they are the weirdest thing that you would ever see in Star Trek. Even if, when they show up in the stories, it's just like, oh yeah, uh we have a guy on our ship who's like a tech officer named Beup Ping. Yeah, I love that guy. Oh, Beup Ping. And all he does is hang out in the Jeffreys tubes and fix shit. And he just spends weeks in the tubes, yeah, just just hanging out, just fixing stuff. And everyone's like, "It's like having a, a rat for your tactical officer. You never know where he is, but you know he's doing rat stuff." <laughs> All right, and then there's the last one, and the last one are the uh, the frolly which are straight out of Twilight Zone, Eye of the Beholder episode. I, I kind of thought, for me, they kind of look like the way they did the Xandarians and Guardians of the Galaxy. Like they have the same head ridges and they're. That all the pictures of them give them a little ponytail and make them look stuffy. <laughs> they're always like, "I'm in a waistcoat." Meh. Yeah. But they're basically Electric Eel men. Sweet. That's their whole deal. They they uh they can generate I love the Electric Eel Man. They're oh. my favorite band. So so here's the thing with these these fucking guys. They can generate a bioelectric charge and use it to shock people or to power things. To do that, they have to make a tricode check, and uh, it's not very easy. They actually don't succeed. It's about a forty percent chance of getting the complete success on an average. Uh, for all, he's trying to complete its bioelectric charge. Okay, whatever, that's fine. Maybe it's hard for them. Maybe they've evolved past electric eels. Okay, huh. hang on, and get this. They pride themselves on their bioelectric charge, and it is the way they power all of their devices. Yay. Which means that the whole... It's a whole planet where 40% of the time, they can successfully turn on their flashlights. <laughs> the other 40%, they just stand around going, I'm not shocky enough. Oh. Otherwise, they're kind of stiff upper lip, kind of kind of stuffy little weirdos. That's their deal. They're, they're kind of, they, they're eternally put upon as far as races go. Yeah. And there you go. That's the Frawley. Okay. After the Frawley, we get to what you usually get in a bad supplement to an RPG. And part of the reason why we don't cover supplements very often, because it's just endless lists. Yay. We'll, I mean, we get a, a whole equipment section that's like, Hey, you can have this equipment. It even has stuff that they don't use anymore. It's like, back in the day, they had laser guns instead of the phasers. But they're terrible. Here's stats for them, though. Yeah, and then right after the races, it's, here's a bunch of pictures of Starfleet ships. So imagine a whole bunch of very samey-looking top views of the Enterprise. Yeah, and the thing is, they look basically exactly the same. Like, all of them. Except... Eh, every every maybe a little a thicker in one area. Every once in a while, they'll give you one that's got one engine or three engines or something. Yeah, but, but for most, the most part, it's very original Enterprise. Yeah, and all they do here is just list how many, whether or not they have prime teams on them, and they they do that by telling you whether or not they are lucky enough to have a prime team. Oh yeah, because if there's one thing my ship has been like my science ship, I always feel terrible on my little science ship that it doesn't have a bunch of brawling, swaggering douche bros wearing open skirts. Sc- Open jackets wandering around going, yeah, punch each other, kill indigenous animals bro <laughs> yeah the uh, the actual uh, the prime team on all the various ships just I don't I still don't understand why this is a thing that they think is amazing, but whatever I, the thing is the Starfleet when they purchased the uh, the license, they were doing it to make war games. Like, you know, basically 40K-style war games where they zip around. Yeah. And uh they they then decided to branch out into RPGs. And so the prime director of the prime team was their kind of idea about how to make that work. Like, how can we make a little party that could go down on a planet? Anyway, just lists and lists and lists of ships. It goes on for pages and pages, and it's really boring. And that's it. After that, there's a couple of, like, you can photocopy this page to make, uh like, flamethrower templates. There's a character sheet that's, like, ten pages long. And that's it. That's the whole book. It's it's uh it's kind of unfocused. I don't know why they called it Federation. I guess because they added a few races to the Federation. Yeah, I mean, it does give you a little background on their version of what happened with the Federation. Yeah, I, I guess maybe that's just another word that they had the rights to. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you want to talk briefly? You want to want to review this book before we move on to the next? What would you say is your favorite part of uh Federation? Uh. You already said it. Just say it again. Pew! Bing! There you go. It's those little fuckers. The little Yeah, those the, little the little hair guys are amazing. Mineyeni. Great. Yeah. Okay. Uh I'd say my favorite thing is the dwarf bros. I thought they were great. The uh the Prelarians. <laughs> yeah. Because they're all just like, "Woo! Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> can gotta, hang out. Got to get my tan on on this high-graph planet. I yeah. like rocks. <laughs> rocks, bro. Rocks. Right. And uh Leak's favorite thing? Uh Eh, mostly I get enraged at their different version of the uh, Star Trek history, cause it's just worse. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I would say my least favorite thing in this book is that it, it added skills and subdivided them further to just make it harder to build your character instead of making it more, you're making your character more viable. Uh, did this change your opinion? Would you play, uh, play, uh, yeah, Prime Directive now? Oh, good lord, no. Like, as much as I do love the idea of being a stupid fucking balloon with hair all over, uh, oh, I you, am that already. I know, you, so, you achieved your goals. Yeah, <laughs> great. Congratulations, that's what I am. <laughs> not just a talking hot dog anymore. <laughs> no, not just. Also that, though. <laughs> but also that. Also a cartoon talking hot dog, <laughs> as has been established. Yes, as we have established. Yeah, okay. So would you? Uh, has this changed my opinion about playing Prime Directive? Yeah. God, no. No, not at all. I made it worse. I can't, I I hate saying that because it added a bunch of races and it tried, but it made it worse by subdividing the skills up and making, and adding complexity. It really added complexity. There's a whole section in there that makes initiative harder. Yeah. It's like, hey, if initiative wasn't realistic enough for you, here's a whole new set of tricodes you could roll for initiative. And if that's not enough, here's the third level of advanced (laughs) initiative that you can go to to get even more complicated with who gets to shoot their dumb phaser first. Yeah, they do have a, a little subsection that's like, here's alternate rules you could use That, you know, are essentially we printed our house rules. But, by the way, none of the modules or adventures have been written with these rules in mind, so it might fuck everything up. This book remains, uh, you know, 40 episodes later, this book remains the most mean to players from the DM's perspective that I've come across. Yep. So there you go. Alright, now you're really excited to get to the I'm, next one, right? I'm so excited. I am cradling this book like a newborn baby. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that you own Path of Rage, and I'm the one who has to own Federation. Ha 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 ha. And because you forgot to bring Federation, that I had to buy the PDF of Federation today, <laughs> which means I now own two Federations. Yeah, you own Federation twice. It's great. I'm you, glad. You owed me ten bucks earlier, now you owe me uh sixteen. That's what's happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's uh, half of it. Just half. Yeah, sure. Why okay, not? Okay, great. Moving on. Path of Rage. Tell me all about it, maestro. It is a City of Haven source book. City of Haven? Yeah. They say it is a City of Haven source book. Not Haven. City of Violence. Oh, okay. That's They've, different. They have, for some reason, abandoned that in the first, like, opening cover. Fair enough. Now, let's say I was, I was, uh, back for more. Let's, let's just say. So, even before we get into this. Mm hmm. The, the book opens with a quote from Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. who, I mean, noted hardcore badass Oscar Wilde. Oh is, yeah, yeah. The is first... what, what you want to represent your city of violence. So, before we, real quick, real quick. What for, oh, let's hear the quote. Yeah. Experience is simply the name we give our mistakes. Whereas, it's kind of weird, because I thought the name we gave our mistakes was Haven, City of Violence. Yeah, I thought we just called them mistakes. And that's why, <laughs> that's why we had that word. Is that the word we call our experience? Yeah. I, I... Fuck you, Oscar Wilde. Wilde. How dare you try and be pithy? Yeah. Okay. So real, real quick, let's back up and tell people what Haven was. Cause Haven is episode 11 of our show. And so it's, it's, it's pretty far back as well. If you haven't listened to Haven, City of Violence, let me suggest you do that. Yeah. Okay. So Haven, City of Violence is a work by one Mr. Louis Porter Jr. who, who wanted to create a realistic RPG for people who had had it up to here with fantasy bullshit. Oh, yeah. And so he created a world that's basically Gotham plus Bloodhaven equals blood and uh, populated with a bunch of psychopaths and addicts and so on. And there is not a single woman in the story ever in either book who was not either raped a bunch or is a prostitute. Yay. Never once. Not once. And, uh, it's all just gun fo- gun porn, and it's basically, the, the whole rule set is just D20 rules, but backwards. You, you try to roll low on a D20. Yeah, it is, Frank Miller made an RPG, and then someone else went along and ruined Frank Miller's writing. Yeah, that's about it. So there you go. Go back and listen to it. It's one of our, actually one of our most popular episodes. That one in Made. Yeah. Alright. So. After our quote, we, we get into what I I kind of just want to read entirely to you right now. That's okay. I'm going to drink my uh, my apertini here, and you go for it. All right. So we start off the very first thing. So you are back for more. <laughs> uh, oh man, Apple teenie up my nose. <laughs> so so your are back for more. So, now let me ask you: is the correct? Is it the correct your? Yes, so it's basically so you are our back for more Lovely Just like an addict on crack, you couldn't stay away from us I knew the second that you picked the book up That you liked it and would only get better from there Well, since you're reading this book I can assume that you have already picked up a copy of our game Haven, City of Violence, Role Playing Game Rulebook Yeah, yeah, we have, we have a copy of that If you don't have it, why the hell not? Go out and buy it, NOW! Now is in all caps. The book you are now holding in your hands is a compendium and source book of all new items and interesting materials. In addition to new benefits, drawbacks, skills, and weapons, we give you more background on the city itself. So dive on in, learn more about what you really have gotten yourself into. The city of Haven holds many secrets, and now it's time to learn. I knew you'd be back. <laughs> Uh, okay, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna read another thing. I don't even care. All right, take it. This what? is your book. One more, one more thing. So we then get another section called "Running with Scissors," or as I call it, "The Future of Haven." Ugh, there's a lot of that. Every everything in this book has one of those titles and subtitle yeah. things. It's a, this thing, or you know, more like me. yeah. <laughs> The reason I am writing this is to confront some of the misconceptions that have been planted into your head in the recent months concerning the direction of Haven, City of Violence. Who was doing that? Yeah, who, what misconception? Who even gave a shit about this book? Was this a big deal for a while? I I have no idea. No, No, our whole no research is coming back to bite us here, but I love the idea that there was a negative rumor campaign being spread (laughs) around about this. (laughs) Who could possibly have a negative opinion of Haven, City City of of violence. Violence? Many people feel that Haven is a simple game about gangsters killing cops and getting away with it. Some feel that this game is about lawmen trying to clean up a dirty and corrupt city. Others feel that this game is a piece of crap, and quite quite frankly, I don't give a rat's ass about them, so to hell with them. Aw, oh, to hell with us. Yeah. Oh that's sad. Oh, why would you say that? Why would you say that? We're we're literally the last the first people in twenty years to buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. So He gets all stupid confrontational, which is wonderful, and I love it. Yeah. And then we get right to some art and so on. Now, just so you know, the type of supplement that we're talking about here, this supplement is 100% uh, just the story of the city. So it's just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of... What's going on in Haven? Let's break it down by neighborhood, and let's put in a bunch of unrelated art of people punching other people. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. Where it's like, all right, we'll talk about this neighborhood, and then there's just art of like someone using a samurai sword to cut a guy's arm off, and like that has nothing to do with this. Yeah, it opens on a crusty punk that looks exactly like your old rock band character. Yeah. So, Randy uh, Nigel Randy, Randy Nigel Randy, lead, lead or I'm sorry, lead guitarist of the Magic Sex Blokes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, we get a bunch of the different areas and we get a bunch of NPCs. Now, uh, we very briefly went into that in our original review, but it's because the original book just kind of gave you an overview of the different places you could be and kind of what gangs were there. This goes deeper into it and tells you, like, alright, here are the sections of these different boroughs. Of- oh, okay. Yeah, it's just by neighborhood. Oh yeah, so it's like, alright, here's... Like Germantown or Gideon Park. Some of them are literally like two streets across. And, yeah. and the worst part is every one of them is written the same way. In this sort of, not really telling you what's in there, but just in a sort of, this is how deadly this place is. So it'll be like, the numbers alley. People who live here don't have a name. They have a number. A number of days they'll be alive. After they die, That's the, that number is up. How many days will you survive in the days of numbered alley days? <laughs> and, and then it just moves on to the next thing. And the weirdest thing for me with his descriptions is he fluctuates back and forth between wanting to tell us actual statistics and not giving a shit. Yeah. So he'll be like, there's 700 people that live in this neighborhood, and the average income is between, like, 10000 and 30000 and, and it gives us these weird statistics, and then he'll go to a different part of town, and it's just... In this part of town, the only rule is there are no rules. If you don't have a gun by your side, then you don't have a friend. And you're like, oh, come on. The most common cause of death is blunt object to the back of the head. (laughs) The most common cause of death is stupidity for being in this neighborhood when you're not part of the gang gangers. Yeah, it just goes on and on like that. and it's. I'm going to say a few things about this. First of all... I've always been amazed by how this city is 100% people killing each other with rocket launchers, but then also it's a a well-known import town, and so there's always ships coming in and out, and it's got a whole lot of major cultural center stuff. It's an acting city, even though it's apparently near Chicago, no, I'm sorry, it's on the the East Coast. Yeah. So it's somewhere near one of the major East Coast cities. It's a a New York equivalent as well. Yeah, it's it's basically a New York. But so, it's like if New York had basically a non-stop, like, tribes game going on in it where people are just bouncing off trampolines and firing rocket launches at well, yeah. each other we we had mentioned this the first review but it had years for like this was the year of fire oh yeah the year the blood. of blood there was worse than that it was literally the year of the blood tornado <laughs> and it was which incidentally I, is a prime team i'm pretty sure oh yeah the blood tornadoes yeah <laughs> but it goes on and on about how like this section is garbage and this section is Full of prostitutes and this section is just only drugs and the triads. The, The average lifespan is like 21. And then it's like, oh, also there's some major cultural center museums here. Oh yeah, and then also there's a part of town that's all rich people and everyone's a millionaire there. And you go, no. No, you're wrong. No, that's... Not in uh, this city. Pretend your city is Detroit for a few minutes, because that's what it is. Every time he des- describes a factory part of town, it's crumbling abandoned factories. Yeah. Every time. It's all just, oh, all the city, all the work has moved out of Haven. Okay, what are all these millionaires doing here? How come they didn't get the fuck out? They can afford to. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, they need to exploit this city for whatever. I go, there's nothing there. There's nothing. What are they doing? All they do is hang out at the couple of major cultural centers. And I really want to talk about the museum because they have the Museum of Mechanical <laughs> Engineering in Haven. And it contains things like a working spaceship and a, and an active AI and a and a, a, a what's, call, a perpetual motion generator. All these things. It's, as soon as I read the museum, I was like, wait a minute. He's just writing Gotham City down. <laughs> literally, literally, it holds a giant penny yeah. and a big Tyrannosaurus. Robot T-Rex and, and a bunch of costumes for Robins. <laughs> I, no, but he's literally describing Gotham because it's just a whole bunch of horrible places, like Gotham is, and then also a bunch of abandoned factories that used to build stuff in a specific type, like, oh, a rubber duck museum. I sure hope the penguin doesn't get in there. Yep. And then there's mechanical engineering building for, like, Intergang or, or whatever to get in there and steal all the tech. Yeah, but as we, as we established before, considering you have a 1 in 20 chance of just oh, yeah. coming up with a new way to uh, do physics, you could just go, yeah, I decided every day for 20 days I woke up and tried to make a perpetual motion machine, and on the 20th day, what did you know? It worked. <laughs> that is the thing that we established reading through the first book, is that there's it, it there's an automatic success on a roll of a 20, which means that you can accomplish these things that he wrote in as supposed to be fancifully impossible. Like, uh, you know, to discover Bigfoot or to uh d- a dis- or develop a new law of physics. Or to correctly identify the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's new skills in this book, too, which have that same uh, difficulty structure. And it's just... Oh, yeah. But it's all shit like parachuting or scuba diving or yeah. crap that you didn't need. So it's not quite as impressive. The other new thing they added to character creation in this game is skill training packages. So you can become an expert. Every single one of them is a various type of military training. And then, lo and behold, every single person who was important in the previous book now has military training. Oh, yeah. Plus, there's like three different military academies in this city. Oh, yeah, there were. There were like three military academies. There's a corrupt one and an upstanding one and a cheap one. I feel like it was. Yeah. So you've got one that's like we send all of our losers here, and they're mostly just assholes, and nothing gets done. And then there's like this is where you go if you're rich and you just want to be in the military. And then there's one where it's we send regular grunts. Uh, you know, and I, I'm gonna bring this up because I'm a little upset with Louis over this, or Lewis or whatever his name is. Uh, there are black neighborhoods and Mexican neighborhoods, Chinese neighborhoods. There's even some new. Uh, he he introduced the uh, the Vietnamese in this book. They they had not been mentioned in a previ- in the previous book, but now there's a Vietnamese gang and 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 uh, leaders. There's no gay neighborhood. He describes every neat neighborhood in exacting, careful detail. No gay neighborhood. Yeah, because they would get the fuck out and go somewhere nice. They usually don't. There's a gay neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Ah, <laughs> oh, no one wants to be in Pittsburgh. I know, but if you're gonna be there, you might as well be in the gay neighborhood. Hey, there probably is. They probably just took over some abandoned factory somewhere. <laughs> oh, now they're Batman villains. <laughs> yeah, <The> gay man. <laughs> I took over this gay factory. <laughs> all right, minions, don't be afraid to use your nails. <laughs> oh, man, the Paul Indian. <laughs> oh, Paul Lind is the gay man. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. He, <laughs> he knew that uh, criminals were a cowardly and superstitious lot, and then a gay guy came through his window. <laughs> I must become a gay. <laughs> Didn't even help the guy. He was just like, yes, I understand now. <laughs> help me! <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So... <laughs> There's also some new, uh, benefits and drawbacks. Yes, there are. Woo, your favorite. Well, havens are particularly bad, so yeah. Yep. So, you get a few more things that do dumb crap, like you can be, oh, I have no records. There's no record of me anywhere. No, nobody knows what my like police record or my birth certificate is i don't exist i'm a ghost a lot of the ones in this book are dedicated towards seducing guys because the new character that they do when they go through their character creation plan is a seductress yep so you can get some very like i'm a sexy talker i yeah. talk sexily yeah and then they use them to create black widow eve their character yay eve they gave eve and now we need to give her a good nickname Black Widow Eve. That's that, That's it. That's perfect. Yeah. Done. I love Black Widow Eve. You get all excited for Black Widow Morning. You get to open one spider on Black Widow Eve, but then you have to go right to bed. <laughs> spider Claws only comes and visits the good children that are asleep, and then he stands on their face. <laughs> you, you know you, you eat. swallow eight spider clauses in your life. <laughs> uh, okay. So the the. The new benefits you get are kind of meh, whatever. You get like I'm big or I've got like ice water in my veins and I don't care about anything. And I okay, whatever. The the funny thing to me is that they all have names like that. Like ice water is literally the name of one of the of the uh, drawback or sorry, uh, benefits and it's that you're like fearless. Yeah. Yeah. Ice water. Yay. I like to think that you just have some. That's your your I have some ice water. Who's thirsty? So, uh one of the benefits you can get is a prodigy, which means you're just really good. At something. So you pick a thing and you're better at that. But then they also gave Inept as a drawback. And Inept says you can pick a skill. And whenever you would roll that skill, you're just terrible at it. You take a normal penalty to the roll regardless of what's going on. Which is amazing because you can take it just like Prodigy multiple times. I would not take Prodigy multiple times. I would. They're great. (laughs) They're magic people and voodoo people. They're also fire starters. Twisted, twisted fire starters <laughs> no thank you <laughs> yay prodigy songs the 90s spike my bitch up so uh but if you take inept multiple times you can be like all right scuba i'm terrible at scuba i get three extra bonus points i'm also terrible at parachuting i'll get three bonus points and skydiving that's a different skill i'm terrible at that too yeah i'm terrible at surgery whatever uh, I'm t- you just take any skill that's Super weird and niche because it's, of course, got a bunch of those. And you go, art appreciation. Yeah. You're like, oh, I I don't know anything about art. It doesn't matter. I'm playing as one of the freeze police. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Freeze police. No, that's, the gay district is where all the police are. That's it. Oh, you go, yeah. Yeah. The freeze police. (laughs) Freeze police. (laughs) The freeze police. They come to me in my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Uh, and then you get some new special abilities, so you can have things like Heartless, where you don't, you don't care about anything, and you, you don't, you don't give a shit, you kick old ladies for fun, which means that you're, I don't know, you don't care if someone does something to you, if they it's, try to influence it's you. It's kinda weird. It feels like he really was trying real hard to write those new abilities as kind of Heartless, Psychopath, Bad Guy things. But then they just do something that, where the name would make a lot more sense if it wasn't that. Like, that one, Heartless, you don't care if you take a wound penalty because you're always kicking old ladies. Why isn't it just tough? Well, no, that, okay, uh, we've got, my favorite one is Out of Nowhere, which is a benefit you can get where it's just, you get to appear behind people. Yeah. Like, great, you can Batman, folks. There's already stealth rules in this game. Yeah. All, all that did could- was make it so that you can't do that unless you have that ability. No, man, you just take that ability, and then you become inept at stealth, so you're always making noise, except when you appear behind people. <laughs> like, you have no idea how you got there? That's your power? Yeah, you just show up behind someone and go, Whoa! Whoa! And what drop am- a bunch of plates. What am I doing here? This was way too many ostriches. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get a whole bunch of dumb skills as well for, uh, like, counterfeiting and mountaineering. Perfect, that's a great thing. Oh, there's only one mountain in Haven. Yeah. Yeah. City, City of violence. violence. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one mountain and rich people live all over it. So go ahead and take and it's got roads. So, you know, go ahead and take the mountaineering skill as a drawback. Yeah, why not? Uh <laughs> so we then get more guns because we didn't describe every gun. Oh, oh, go to guns? Guns go back to the beginning of the gun section. I yep. want Okay, uh, okay, oh, you're here going we to, go. Here we go. Because there is something special in the gun section that I want you to see, and it is amazing and it's because it's another one of his his uh oh whatever it, it, he starts it by saying guns guns gun <laughs> oh guns guns gun he's playing duck duck goose i have no idea what's happening there it's just another one of his little editing mistakes it's right around here guns guns gun he's forgotten s i thought it was hilarious no man he he was looking in bags he's like huh guns Guns! And then he opened one and there was just a gun in there. Gun! Okay. Oh, So there's a whole new section of hyper-realistic guns for badasses to shoot each other with. And a whole bunch of new things you can do to up, to update your gun, like decorating it or uh, making it faster. <laughs> we added the 7.62mm M60E1, Rambo's favorite weapon. I thought Rambo's favorite weapon was a bow and arrow, am I? I thought Rambo's favorite weapon was his complete hatred and rage. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, uh, speaking of, I want to get to my favorite section of this book. All right. W- which is, uh, which is called putting, uh, putting the fear of God into your players. Yay. All right. This is a section about how to play as the God or game operations director of Haven City of Violence. And it's a series of absolutely horrible advice pieces to your DM about how to run the game so that your players stay on edge and unha- and basically unhappy. So first thing. Institute that policy that you've probably been in one game in that you immediately quit of, if your characters say something, they actually say it, then their players, or sorry, if their players say something, then their characters said that. Yep. No joking at the table of any kind. Yeah, no, it had this, uh, that entire thing in the, uh, the Haven main book where it was just like, hey man, uh, here are rules for how to be a good DM. The rules are, be a bad DM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here we go, uh, I love this. Occasionally take a player out of the group and into the next room for a chat. Don't overuse this. It can get dull for the others if you are away for a while. Tell the players that everything they say to each other is in character, and only when addressing the god is any conversation out of character. Start passing pieces of paper with messages on them. Have the player read it, and then nod if they understand and return it. <laughs> It's amazing to me that he's actually giving this kind of advice. Oh, my other favorite right here. Occasionally ignore the dice roll and narrate what makes for the best story. Obviously, this goes hand in hand with never letting the player see the rolls. Yeah, why did you roll then? (laughs) Yeah, the... Like, the main book, when we talked about it, also had a section like that. And it was just, yeah, make sure you enforce, like, how deadly things are. And make sure you... Never let your players see anything you do and do this. And then like the last rule was, and always make sure you're having fun. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Here's a good one. Random die rolling behind your screen, roll a few dice. Perhaps smile to yourself and continue as normal. <laughs> and again, I want to read that. Th- when I read that and it sounded like I should have put a period or a comma in there. Yeah, I probably should have, but you know, it's not in the book. So it goes, this is a whole paragraph by itself. Random dice rolling behind your screen, roll a few dice. Perhaps smile to yourself and continue as normal. Yeah. It just goes on like that. <sighs> Here are a few tips for engendering uncertainty. Why are you doing that? Do <laughs> you remember when when you had a DM who would roll behind a screen and go, ooh, oh my. Maybe. Oh oh, oh this would be interesting. This won't go well for you. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, the uh <laughs> The other thing that I love in this is because it goes into more depth for a lot of the places, the best thing in there, and fuck it, I'm just going to go ahead and use this opportunity to say my favorite thing in this book. Sure. Is, so we we had the uh, concept of Rome Island, which is Black People Island, yep, it's where all the people. black people are. Yeah, you remember that from, oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Pinocchio where it's Donkey Island. That's a different thing. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, this is okay. slightly more racist than yeah, that. Yeah, this is more racist than Donkey Island. Yeah. Okay. So in Rome Island, everything sucks everyone's poor, and apparently no one can leave? Yeah. And then it said that there was, like, gang violence all the time, and all of these black people just couldn't stop themselves from killing each other. And then Cyrus showed up, and Cyrus was a ridiculous badass, and he took over the entire island, and he runs everything now, and decided, fuck it, we're still gonna shoot each other for some reason? Also, no one knows what he looks like, and no one's ever seen him. He like, lives, he lives in the one apartment complex on the island that's still standing, and I, there's not that many places to go on the island, but the whole thing is that there's a big air of mystery about who he really is, and no one's seen him. It's so weird, because the, the time when they're talking about Cyrus, he sounds like a character that you'd go, oh yeah, everything sucked on Rome Island, and it was horrible, and he wanted to take over, so he took over, and it, it feels like the arc is going to be, and then he decided to make things like he was gonna turn around, and, like, take back Rome Island and make it a place that was worth living and then fucking expand into the regular haven city of violence and then nope he just hold up and it's just running it as a big old gang island yeah he just then went okay great now i'm done i'm just gonna sit here and shoot people yes yeah. why not well he's got a deal where if you betray him in any way then it straight up says that he actually does castrate the betrayers with a rusty spoon oh yeah and he'll go like he'll kill you and everyone close to you and he'll castrate all the male members of your family yeah i'm like uh no no, that guy doesn't rise to power. That guy gets shot immediately. Yeah, the moment you're like, alright, I'm gonna take your balls out with a spoon. Your second in command's gonna shoot you. Which is happening in this book. The second in command, his second in command is like Malik Amal Shabazz, I wanna say. I hope that's right. And, uh, and he is currently working with Fear. Fear being the, the one named, the mononymous leader of the, uh, Templar Knights, which is the racistist organization in town. Yay, they hate everyone who isn't white. Right. Except the uh, one black guy they like working with on Rome Island. Because, he, and this is why they agree with each other, Malik and Fear agree that the black people should stay on Rome Island. And <laughs> and Fear is okay with that. He's like, I don't mind having a black people island near us as long as it doesn't spill into the city. So that's, that's what's happening there. Yeah. It's amazing to me, this stuff in this book. Also, there's a list in this book of the ten most powerful people in Haven. Yep. <laughs> and n- Numbers 1, 2, and 5 are confidential You don't get to know that, dear reader Yeah, and it's not even like this was in a section of things The players know It was in the section for the god Yeah, the game operations director So your GM doesn't know Yeah, you're not supposed to Also, there's a serial killer that gets mentioned Yeah, oh, 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 what's his name? Milk Baby Milk Baby, that's right Milk Baby the serial killer Or Monster or something that if you go to the lighthouse on Rome Island, maybe you'll meet Milk Baby. But pray you don't. Because <laughs> Milk Baby is terrifying. <laughs> so they describe this neighborhood. There's a lighthouse out on Rome Island. And uh they say that the whole thing is like there's a beach there and it's completely hypodermic syringes. Like from top to bottom, it's syringes and condoms yeah. and old gloves. <laughs> there's more syringes than there is sand. Yeah. And uh that there is a smell of sour milk out there that accompanies a lot of murders that occur at this old lighthouse. And people know about the lighthouse, and it's supposed to be unoccupied, but maybe there's a monster, and pray you don't meet the Milk Baby. Except they don't tell you why he's got that name other than the sour milk smell, and they don't tell you anything about him. So it's just like hints. It's like, hey DM, here's a story hook you could use. Milk Baby. Yeah, which I appreciate some hook ideas like that, but one, never tells you what it is. And two, you gave that the dumbest possible name. Like, Milk Baby. That sounds like... One word, by the way. That sounds like an insult you would call someone. Well, you're a little milk baby, you having some milk milk baby? I figured it was between P. Diddy and Puff Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went from Sean Puffy Combs to Puff Daddy to Milk Baby to P. Diddy. Right. <laughs> yeah, obviously. That <laughs> made sense to me. Okay, and then there's another mononymous character in here that I wanted to read the section from, if I may. Because you okay. were doing a little reading, too. This was this section is just called Wind. And uh Wind is not a description of the weather conditions in Haven. Instead, it is, Enigma describes what Wind is best. Is Wind a man? Is Wind a woman? Is Wind white? Is Wind black? Is Wind tall? Is Wind short? These are all questions that have been asked of Haven's most impressive and mysterious hired killer. So apparently we're playing guess who now? I guess. Does Wind wear a hat? Is Wind bearded? Is Wind Amanda? You got it! (laughs) What is his real name? What he truly looks like is still a mystery to most, however. If you are unlucky enough to see Wind face-to-face, then you are already dead. Do not fool yourself. Wind is considered by all of the professional killers in the Haven Underworld to be the most dangerous and deadliest assassin in Haven. If Wind has been hired to kill you, then get your personal affairs in order and get ready to meet your maker. The cost for Wind to make a hit is $100,000. You never have to worry about Wind missing. It never happens. Hope you never get the chance to meet Wind. It will be the last thing you do. Yes. Okay, so why is this guy in the book? What What's Be- the point here? I, I... Because in Soviet Haven, wind breaks you! Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> in Soviet Haven, everything is terrible! <laughs> okay, so what, uh, seriously, what's the point of this guy? He, if you literally can't beat him and you will never see him and he automatically kills you and he always <coughs> gets you... Like, it says, no exceptions, he kills his man. Yeah. That means you can't stick him on the players unless you just want to fuck your players over. And just 100% be- guaranteed this was one of Lewis Porter Jr.'s characters. Right. So here's, here's the only way that Wind is useful in the game. If you get $100,000. Yay! So, so you can break the rule, uh, uh, you know, you're like, oh, I've got this, this big evil villain and he lives in a fortress made of rocket launchers and he's, he's impenetrable and none of you guys can even try. It. Oh, okay. I, I hire Wind. <laughs> uh, I'd like to hire Wind, the ca- the killer who can't not kill. Yay. Okay, great. So, I know you earlier said what your favorite thing yeah. was about So Haven. What's, what would you say your favorite thing is? About this book, uh, whew, um, I'm gonna say my favorite thing about this book is the concept of, of a milk baby. <laughs> I, I, the, the very notion of milk baby. The notion, just made me laugh so hard when I first read milk baby. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I, I don't know. It, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this? Uh, least favorite thing, definitely the new merits and flaws. They're just awful. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing meritorious about them. Yeah. It's just more ways to game the system, which yeah. you don't need to. It's a terrible system. So my least favorite thing about this book is that there's literally multiple paragraphs separated throughout the book on the same topic. Cyrus is the name of the leader of uh of Rome Island, the, yep. the guy in charge of the island there. The guy in charge of the Nubian Nation? The Nubian Nation, that's correct. There is a section on the Nubian Nation of Rome Island, which is actually all about Cyrus... It's followed by another whole section on Cyrus, and then you go about 50 pages further in the book, there's another section just called Cyrus that's all about Cyrus again. Now you may think, well, yeah, there's probably a lot of information about him. No, there isn't. It's the same shit three times. Yep, it's just, this guy's powerful, everyone's afraid of him, no one gets to see him, meh. Yeah, and that keeps happening. All the people in charge of Haven, like, uh let's say, Gino Santucci Jr., we know he's insane, we know he's, he controls a lot of the import trade, we know he's kind of a gangster-mobster-Italian stereotype. We know that because it says that three times throughout the book. Yep. And then every woman in the book, again, is a prostitute that made it big. Yeah. Every one of them is like, I used to be a prostitute, but now I've got a lot of money and I still prostitute on the side because I've got wicked sweet boobies, guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Alright, would you play Haven City of Violence? <laughs> has this changed your opinion? It totally has. I've come around, I actually love Haven. No, fuck this. <laughs> you still can't play it, right? Would you play any other game better with better rules that was set in Haven? I totally would. I would 100% play a one-shot in Haven where everyone dies, and it would be great. Yeah, okay, there you go. Would you play Haven? Same rules. Yes. City of violence. Oh, wait. City of violence? Not, not Haven, something else. Just Haven, City of violence? Yeah, the Haven, City of violence. Not the other Haven. Oh, okay. Not the City of Haven. Violence of rage. Yeah. Okay, good. No, no, I, I still think the rules for this are terrible. I wouldn't play this. This didn't fix anything. It's just a bunch of funny. I mean, admittedly, I'm really glad you own this book. Because oh, Because yeah. it's fun to read. It's really fun to read. And, and we, I'm sure we got it for like three dollars. So, <laughs> if you find this, buy it and read it. Because this guy cannot write. It's, it's like he doesn't know what an editor is. It's so good. There's, there's, the word businesses is, is in this book. <laughs> businesses is. It's something like many businesses won't deal with these people. And it's spelled businesses correctly. And then he was like, well, that doesn't seem right. Something seems to be missing with the word businesses. I'll just slap an apostrophe S on the end of that yeah. and be done with it. He doesn't know what apostrophes do. <laughs> B- businesses. Uh okay. so good. There you go. So, I, I, again, would also love to take all the great story that he writes, like all the the filthy comic book stuff that he generates, and then run it in a system that isn't quite as openly, nakedly antagonistic. Yeah, we'll, we'll just take uh, uh, City of Violence, we'll take Haven, and we'll run it in Maid. Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah, of course. Why did we'll think of that? We'll run Haven in Prime Directive. Yeah, obviously. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Tune in next time when we run Haven in Prime we're, Directive. We're going to do our very first live play episode, running Haven characters using Prime Directive rules... And then, uh, killing, our, killing ourselves live yeah. on the air. <laughs> you will know when the podcast is over when you hear the gunshot. <laughs> It'll be one of them to get both of us. <laughs> all right. So, uh, there you go. Yep. Uh, that is, uh, that's, that is all for this week. And did you like doing the supplements? Yep. I, I did enjoy our supplements. If there's any supplements for any stuff that we've done before that you want to have us talk about, let us know. Sure. Absolutely. We're happy to do a, the occasional supplement here and there as long as it's funny as shit and as long as it's something we've already done so we don't have to go over the whole system again. Yeah. So there you go. Alright. Uh, what else you want to talk about? Uh, so we of course always end every podcast telling you that you can find us on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and I think I wanted to take a moment just if you can take like three seconds and review us on there. Give us a rating. Give us a short blurb that says these idiots are great, or I hate these idiots, but I listen to them anyway, and I don't know why, or I just hate-fuck the radio whenever I listen to this guy. Yeah. You know, whatever. Have you actually read our iTunes reviews? there's great great. It's really easy to do, because there's only like four of them, <laughs> and, and, and three of them were like, these guys are great. They're very funny, and, and they don't like RPGs, and, and, and then there's one guy that's like, so much cursing, one star. Yay. <laughs> Please leave us a review that tells everyone how much you love cursing. <laughs> Anyway, uh yeah, definitely go rate rate and review us on yeah, iTunes and Stitcher because every time we get rated up like that, if we get a few hundred of those, then before you know it, uh people who would not listen to this podcast are still being recommended. Oh to yeah, do well, so. it's, it's going to be how new people are going to find the podcast. It'll be how we get anyone to actually recognize what's going on. Hell, maybe we could get a sponsor. That, <laughs> that wasn't be, cheese dudes. That would be hilarious. I mean, I don't know if uh, if uh, Tony Pepperoni or whatever his name is would, would be up with us doing that. <laughs> Porkadillo. Come Tommy, on, man. Tommy Porkadillo. He is he is our sponsor. He is going to be so pissed off that you fucked up his name. He doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> That's true. and it's He too- just pays us in cheese. He's just too busy frying up cheese to pay us with. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. iTunes and Stitcher, both under System Mastery. You can also find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. I've been hovering at 95 followers for weeks and it's infuriating. (laughs) Get me to 100, please. Come on, that that milestone where you almost feel like people care. Yeah, that would be amazing for me. And then, of course, we have some shirts for sale. If you want to buy our, our System Mastery shirts... Or our Cheese Dude shirt, you can do that at TeePublic by just Googling for System Mastery. And if anybody asks you what Cheese Dudes is, please tell them that it is an actual restaurant and it exists in Las Vegas. That's the plan. If you're worried about how to explain that weird shirt, just uh, explain to them that it's a real restaurant. Because that's the goal. The more people in this world believe in Cheese Dudes, the more likely it is to come into existence. That's the secret, people. We're both proponents of Oprah. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's about it. Got anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Good. We're all set then. Thank you. Have a lovely week.